a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I like how he ran in the room thinking that you accidentally articulated baptism incorrectly. Like, wait a minute, you're mistaken. He said to me, he said, you sound like a heretic. Right, yeah. It wasn't like, boy, they must be playing a game where they're articulating someone else's belief. It was, I think Pastor Wolfmiller is off his rocker. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little bit disturbed that you think that I would actually teach that about baptism, Pastor And it's so, 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 so deserved to be crunched. I mean, mega crunch. <laughs> so, uh, if you guys put the mega, mega crunch. crunch on the song, that would be awesome. <laughs> Keep uh, preaching the word, pastors. Keep it mediocre. Mediocre and hilarious. Proving that the worst jokes never get old. This is Table Talk Radio. All right, they don't? Nope. That's You're in business, by the way, because of You know that why reason. that's funny? Uh, no, why? Because you have to explain it? <laughs> Like I said, just make it a joke our old jokes, explaining jokes never get old. Well, you're on this harangue. You're like the most popular person on YouTube amongst the three people oh, who yeah. watch your, your channel. Oh, yeah. Wildly <laughs> so popular. We're going to be talking about some of that. Uh, we have buzzwords. Uh, I got. I want to workshop this thing with you because I've been, I've been obsessively watching the ELCA assembly videos. So the ELCA, Evangelical Lutheran Church of America... And and this whole thing start. I'll, t- well, I'll t- maybe tell this story in a little bit how this whole thing got started. But I'm, I'm trying to. There's there's a there's a thing going on about structural sin, and and I want to I want to reflect on. I want and I want to get your. I need your help actually, Evan, on this. And so I've got the video for the apology to the pastors, Lutheran pastors of African descent, and then the response to that. And I think this is a good example that'll let us think about. The theological problem of 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 systemic sin. So anyway, that's a, how about that for a buzzword? Systemic sin. <laughs> okay. You know, so what's your and, definition of that? Well, I don't exactly know, but it's the <laughs> difference between. So it's different. It's it's the idea. It comes from. It's the idea that sin is not um, the the work of a particular individual, but rather the of a system. It, the problem is in the system. So there can be a patriarchal system, and the ELCA convention, by the way, declared patriarchy a sin. Oh man! I don't know. Mm. But so, or you have a racist system, or a transphobic system, or something like this, and the, and so you have these systemic sins, and the, the, these have to be confessed and and fought against. But the problem is, it's it's different than the individual sin. Like it's one thing for you to say, "Hey, Brian." You're a racist. Now, that's actually having a conversation about something. And I could say, oh, uh, I'm sorry, or, oh, no, I'm proud of it, or, or you, whatever. Or you could ask, can, what did I do that was racist? Yeah, what did I do that was was racist? Let me confess for that racist word or deed or whatever. But if it's a systemic sin, it's then the systemic sin is often talking about sins, sins that you don't even know about, like oppressive things and words and actions that you don't even that you don't even recognize because you're so sunk into this corrupted system. But what's really interesting is you would think that systemic sin and original sin would go together, but in fact they fight against each other. So that systemic sin almost has the assumption that people are 
are good, but they're made corrupt by the system that they're in. And that kind of utopian vision of humanity is also underlying a lot of the conversation that was happening at the ELCA assembly. Anyway, it's really interesting. That's what, so I want to kind of explore some of this with you, and I, I think you can help me kind of connect some dots. All right. Well, I'll be happy to help you out any time. You know. <laughs> For a, a low for, monthly for fee. For free? <laughs> that's you and I were thinking the same. <laughs> well, my theological buzzword for you... See how... So, that's a systemic sin of capitalism. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Greed. Yeah, okay. Your buzzword for me. I'm ready. Inspiration. Oh, wow. Referring to the inspiration of Holy Scripture. So, you know, 2 Timothy uh, 3, 16, 17 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting... For training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I also like see this. That's always the go-to passage. Uh, I also like Second Peter one twenty-one, where it says, "Prophecy has never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit." Now, Second uh, Timothy. Three is is a a fine passage in and of itself to have to talk about the inspiration of Scripture. All Scripture is God breathed. But the reason um, I like to bring Second Peter into it is that um, that that it's recognizing that that the Scriptures are written by the hands of men, uh, but that they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So that this is not see. I think sometimes when we talk about the inspiration of Scripture, we get this idea that the apostles were these almost like dictators, and they were just kind of uh, like, like uh, you know those dictation softwares that you, you, you just talk into and they type it out for you? That's what the, that's what the prophets and apostles were doing. But in fact, we, we still find uh, within the, the writings of the, the, the Bible, the books of the Bible, that the authors have their particular uh, styles still embedded in them so that, so that, uh, that we're, we don't, divorce this the text from the human author, but we also recognize that every word is uh, given to us by the Holy Spirit. And so the uh, when we when we read, say, uh, an epistle of Paul, uh, because Paul was an apostle, we can take this in as God's holy word, because Paul is teaching us about God. So inspiration mm-hmm. is your buzzword. I'm a big fan of it. All right, so do you want to just jump head in on this whole yeah. thing? All right. Yeah, so, here, so here's what we're going to do. I think this is as a case study. So we are, we're going to listen to part of the plenary from the second plenary session of the ELCA Churchwide Assembly. And this is in regard to a declaration to people of African descent. And so there's, a, there's an association called the African Descent Lutheran Association, ADLA, which asked for... The ADLA asked the ELCA to repent of their racism. Hmm. And uh, so they said, okay. Uh, so I don't know when they asked for this repentance, they, but at some point they asked for it. And um, um, so they adopted this statement, and they're issuing an apology, I think, to the, um, I think especially, I, I don't know, to the world to the to the pastors or to the African descent Lutheran Association folk, or whatever, and so they have the whole church council standing up there and reading this particular apology. This particular apology. So that's what we're going to hear first, and then we get to hear 
the president of the African Descent Lutheran Association respond to the apology. That's where it gets particularly interesting. But, but, uh, but we'll listen to the apology first, so, at least parts of it. It's like five minutes long, and all these different people are reading parts. Interesting. So I have three minutes left in the segment, but we can, we can cut it in half. So here's the first, yeah, the first yeah. half. On June 27, 2019, the Church Council of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America adopted the following declaration as a statement addressed to people of African descent. St. Paul writes, There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. The ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, apologizes to people of African descent for its historical complicity in slavery and its enduring legacy of racism in the United States and globally. We lament the white church's failure to work for the abolition of slavery and for the perpetuation of racism in this church. We confess, repent, and repudiate the times when this church has been silent in the face of racial injustice. You know, already I want to break in because I have a question. Um, I thought yes. the, I thought the ELCA came into existence in 1988. Well, now that is a fine point. Now, why would that matter to you? Well, because they're uh, making this apology um, not as individuals, but they're making the apology as a church body. So it seems right. like they you could only be responsible for things that happened at 1988 and thereafter. This is going to be one of the differences between sin and systemic sin, because the, the, you're right. It, it, like, for example, it'd be very difficult for me to sin before I existed, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Just like any sin committed before 1977 has a pretty good chance that it wasn't accomplished by me, Brian Wolfman, <laughs> right? Because I did, there was no such thing as a Brian Wolfmuller back then, but there were systems that were in place back then, and, and those those systems were in place, and there were systems that brought me about, like my family and my culture and things like this, and there were systems that were hurting people at the same time. So it makes, it makes these sins into these abstractions. Hmm. Uh, so it's not a matter of individual guilt, but rather as far as I can tell, is this per- perpetuating the, the system. So what does it say? We lament the white church's failure to work for the abolition of slavery and the perpetuation of racism in this church. So they're confessing the white church didn't work hard enough to end slavery. Although, I I mean, I think it was mostly probably uh, white uh, Christians who were leading the abolitionist movement. It wasn't, anyway, this kind of utopian. The whole, pro- I mean, really the... The problem, the the same thing that gave birth to to the slavery in the United States, the slavery based on race, is the the same idea that that Darwinism grew out of and ended up supporting it. It wasn't the Christian Church that has any that understands anything about race. We're all remember we're all related to one another. I mean, we didn't we say this before? Everywhere you go is a big Noah family reunion. Mm. I mean, that's. Anyway, but and then the racism that existed in the ELCA, they're going to get after that, too. So okay. Well, there's going to be some complicity. Let's take a quick break, and we'll continue this video on the other side and talk about uh, what's going on here. We'll be right back. You're listening to Table Talk Radio.
busting the myth that practice makes perfect. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm reading Luther's sermons from the House Postal every week. You can find it at www.hope-aurora.org. Click on the Luther Sermon Podcast. All right, welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We're listening in to uh, a resolution adopted by the ELCA, the Evangelical Lutheran Church of America, in their last churchwide assembly, their convention, if you will. And uh, so far, they are apologizing for not um, doing more to, what, end slavery, things like this. Um Anything more to say about this, Pastor, before we continue the audio? Well, no, I think I think it'll... It, we'll flesh it out a little no, bit more. It, yeah, let's, let's, t- let's hear a little bit more about what they say, and then, and then we can reflect on it some more. Okay, here you go. The book is changing hands while the microphone is pa- being passed around. The ELCA acknowledges that slavery created and perpetuated racism, a truth this nation and this church have yet to fully embrace. The enslavement of Africans was based on a false narrative of the racial inferiority and the demonization of black people by the majority culture. Can we stop it there? So here's an interesting, so a couple of things going on there. So, okay, so first, you and I just want to be absolutely clear on this. First, that racism is a sin, Uh, but it's specific. It's, It's hating someone and despising someone that is created in the image of God as if they are not created in the image of God. The idea that um, the idea that uh, whenever I engage another person, that I am engaging a person, male and female, and no matter what their their color or whatever, it doesn't matter. Nothing about this matters. No matter their size, no matter if they've been born or not yet born or whatever, if they're if they're if they have capacity, if they're in pain or out of pain, that none of these things diminish the full humanity of each person that we are engaging with, and that there's no place for. There's really no place for race. Now, here's one of the interesting things I, that I think that's going to come up, and that is that uh, it used to be the, the the goal, for example, of the civil rights movement and and Martin Luther King Jr., uh, as far as I can tell and discern, is a, a sort of color blindness. The day the dream was for a day when people would be judged not for the color of their skin, but for the for the character. That they possess. How does that go? I, I can't. Yeah, I can't. Like it's that. such a poetic line. Again. That my children will be judged for the not by the color of their skin, but by the character. Anyway, that's the idea. But but now that apparently is also racist. That we're not supposed. Did you know this? We're not supposed to be colorblind anymore, because colorblindness perpetuates the systemic race. But by the, the content of their, of their character. By the content. Of their, thank you. So that so we're supposed to recognize people's race and all their other things that put them at at dis, at disadvantaged positions. Mm. So um, mm. so that so that there's various things about each individual that w- w- because of the system that we live in, there's various advantages that are given to people that and they and they serve as points of privilege or points of diminished privilege points of, of persecution or suppression Oppression, or something yeah. like this and so and so and this is the basic idea of intersectionality right 
that that you have to acknowledge the various uh, the intersection of various disadvantages and points of oppression, so that you can figure out where you where you fit on the scale of of intersectionality. And there's and there's like big debates as far as I can tell. For example, like who is more oppressed? Is it the white lesbian woman or is it the black man? For example, so so how do you weight these different kind of so so called systemic points of of, of oppression and, and, and all these sorts of things. Now, what, what was really interesting in this whole thing, it says, slavery created and perpetuated racism, a truth this nation and church have fully yet to embrace. The enslavement of Africans was based on a false narrative of the racial inferiority and the demonization of black people by the majority culture. Well, okay, maybe true, but this idea of the majority culture is really, you have to look out for this, because the majority here does not mean the culture with the most people, but rather the the culture with the most power, defined however you define power, politically, economically, or whatever. And I would, I wish it would just say, by the, by the, the false narrative of evolution, because it's evolution that's going to say that there's, that mm. there's these different races that have advanced on the evolutionary scale further than one from another. And the whole thing is is corrupt and crooked from the very get-go. So, but, for, but for whatever reason, the ELCA is going to be very... I mean, most of the ELCA pe- folks that I've met are evolutionists. Hmm. They hold to a form of evolution in one way or another. But they can't see that that, that, that evolution perpetuates racism in a profound way. It's almost impossible to escape. In fact, it not only perpetuates, but it, it holds it almost as a virtue, right? Because uh, the, the more that you have a, a separation, there you have a, uh, a, a survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's good for evolution. I mean, like you, 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 you want the, the stronger animals to survive, and they will because they're stronger, uh, and so it, it has to it has to happen, and that is a virtue. That's a good thing. This is, I mean, this is this the dark side of the pl- whole Planned Parenthood movement. It was a form of eugenics, and it was to provide, especially to people, of, uh, who, uh, it was especially to provide to dark people, to black people, to to Spanish people, an easy way to get rid of their children. Because Margaret Singer was a was a was a uh, was a racist she was a eugenicist a racist eugenicist who wanted less of the inferior races it's crazy that this is and 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 we think that this is not currently part of our conversation but i just heard this clip from the from the cnn climate control panel from last week from Hmm. of bernie sanders talking about how we need to provide abortion for underprivileged peoples Especially in underprivileged culture, yeah, it's unbelievable. And, and so you can solve the abortion. The, the you can you you solve climate change by having less brown babies. How could something this this kind of eugenics through abortion is is devastating? And I wish that that this would statement would say, look, we uh, one of the forms of racism is the is the high is the ridiculously high rate of abortion. Amongst um, b- black women, instead oh, instead of white women, how how is that not understood as a? If you're going to look for systemic signs of racism, why isn't that looked at? Hmm. Anyway, anyway, this is just getting into this thing. So. Okay, here's more. 
spread by white religious, legal, political, and scientific leaders and institutions for social, political, and economic gain. During the 246-year transatlantic slave trade, which began in 1619, an estimated 12 million people from Africa were stolen from their native lands, separated from their families, torn from their culture, killed for seeking freedom, tortured through inhumane forms of punishment, and subjected to lifetimes of captivity. While the white church stood silently by, people of African descent resisted through acts of rebellion, created new expressions of spirituality and Christian practice rooted in African traditions, and organized movements for freedom. Well, that gets handed down the stage here. Um, so, so we can acknowledge that you know, taking someone from their homeland and shipping them in a boat to another place to, to put them into bondage, we, we can unequivocally say that that's wrong. And yet, I guess this goes back to the, the earlier point that you made. Um, what, what, is, what is my responsibility or what is, how, am I, to what level am I culpable for those transgressions that, that took place? Um, right. In other words, so, it, so, so that it's not enough to, to, for just us to, to make the declaration to say these transgressions were against the will of God and they're sinful— um, but we actually have to put ourselves as the as the mourners, as the repenters, as the transgressors, in order to yeah, make as amends. The transgressors, and also the, it's the children. And this is so because this is from the African Descent Association, right? Mm-hmm. It's the children of those people stolen that are the ones who are sinned against. So, so let's just say, let's just say, Evan, just for example, that my grandfather owned your grandfather okay. as a slave right and so now so now the because i'm his grandson the his guilt of no matter what no matter how much i hate the idea of slavery and repudiate it and and fight against it and it doesn't even make sense to me no matter how that that still that legacy now is handed down to me and and you also are the one that was that was sinned against and so the things that were owed to your that were owed to your grandfather by his own enslavement now are owed to you by me. So you have a transfer of guilt, and then you have a transfer of, of shame, the shame of, of being sinned against. Uh, and, and so that, that now is able to be passed down it generationally, I suppose. And, and then what, what then can come to, the claim can come, that, you, that now I have to make atonement for my grandfather's sins to you, for the, the sins committed against your grandfather. Now, what I don't know what happens is what happens if, say, there's someone who, just to talk about in family how this thing goes, if there's someone who's like on their grandfather's side was a slave owner and on their grandmother's slide, side was a slave. Like, wh- how do you, you know, what what happens? Because there's, you know, things are not so clean cut as we want them to be. But how do you even get this idea that the that the guilt and and the, and the guiltiness and the guiltedness goes, um, it gets passed down generationally, generationally, etc. Yeah, right. Well, we need to, in fact, it, uh, well, there's probably a Bible verse that we could, uh, we could distort to try to get there, but that's maybe uh, another point, well, which is, yeah, it, yeah, which is, which is it being at, made here, by the way. All right, so let's take another quick break. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. More from the ELCA Churchwide Assembly 
Right after this, you're listening to Table Talk Radio. How many Table Talk Radio listeners does it take to change a light bulb? You'll probably have to settle for one. Get the Around the Word devotions delivered to you in a free daily email. You can sign up for that at whatdoesthismean.org. Click the Devotions button. Okay, we're back here on Table Talk Radio. All right. You know, I was thinking about this. You know, so, so... the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America has their church-wide assembly, and I don't know how often they meet. We, in our church body, we meet every three years. I suppose it's probably I think it's every two years. Two years, okay. So two years from now, um, will will the the assembly that has met in 2019 take care of all the grievances when they meet for 2021? In other words, will all all slavery have been repented of? Will all, you know, uh, uh, remorse for taking Indian land now been you know, atoned for? That that uh, that there's no really no more systemic racism issues to bring up to the churchwide assembly. I mean, is this is this kind of a or, or does every generation or every even assembly need to recognize this? Mm. It's going to be. I mean, this is a big thing because it's. Ne- the, the, because if the if answer not, is no, there's there's no end of this. It's, right. It is like the high priest that stands every day offering a sacrifice. There is no, the, the sacrifice is demanded by systemic sin. To the 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 sacrifice because systemic sin is such an abstraction from actual individual guilt or even original sin. There is no sacrifice that will be complete. Mm-hmm. That I think that's going to be made really clear in the response. Can I? So let me just so to kind of speed us along. Let me read the next two paragraphs of the apology. Okay, and you can stop me for comments. So we'll move along, and then we'll get to the response, which is I think really interesting. Because I was I was just DLC. before you do, I was just going to jump in and say yeah, yeah. because if if not, if if they can finally say all right, uh, in 2019 we finally uh, have done our part to repent, that would seem to say that well. No one before us until 2019 was sorry for this. Like we're the we're the innovators of repentance. <laughs> that that up and up until now, no one has recognized that slavery was a sin. But we have finally confessed it as such. Uh, or mm-hmm. are we to are we to say no? There were people before us that recognized it was wrong, and so why wasn't their repentance adequate? Or why mm-hmm. why must we continue to repent for this? Anyway, continue with the with the reading here. Okay, let's see where to go. I got it right here. Oh, yeah. The ELCA teaches that racism is sin, okay? That racism denies the reconciling work of the cross. Hmm. Well, okay. I mean, look, insofar as more sin does, I suppose. But, yeah. You're right. But as, uh, the idea that we're all made one in Christ. Yeah, I mean, that's fine. But, rooted in slavery, racism is manifested through the history of Jim Crow policies, racial segregation, the terror of lynching, extrajudicial killings by law enforcement, and the disproportionate incarceration of people of color. Now, that's a quite a thing. Mm. I mean, the disproportionate incarceration, I think, let's just say that is a separate issue. And, and, and let's also say that 
that it's it just seems like there has been policies. So so okay. So this happened. Martin Luther King Jr. made this point that that the um, the problem and 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 he argues this quite convincingly. He's got me convinced, or at least he's got me thinking about it. That one of the problems that happened it, it, during the emancipation was that. The, the, those men and and women and those who were in slavery who were set free and children who they they were set free but they were not given land and and Martin Luther King Jr. makes the point that you cannot have freedom apart from land and so you had this breakdown of the natural order of things which led to the the difficulties in in black culture in African American culture. And that has continued in especially the breakdown of the family. I mean, we have this this kind of tragedy of fatherlessness that has spread through the African-American culture. And for whatever reason, it's not talked about, even though it's like the most obvious thing. So you just look at the guys in prison and you ask them if they knew their dad. And and it's just it's overwhelming the, the number of people that don't that don't that didn't know their dad. So the problem is not a problem of a race that we would recognize it's the problem of family, the destruction of the family. And so there's a disproportionate incarceration of, of men who do not know their dads. Hmm. Now, why, why, by the way, is there no talk of the disproportionate amount of incarna- incarceration between men and women? Uh, I don't know. Because like what, I think there's probably 10, 20 guys in prison for every one woman in prison. Well, that's just you know? that's just egotistical male aggression. Well, well, it's probably because men commit more crimes. <laughs> you think? I mean, you think that's th- why? Just, I, yeah. I I think that is histemic uh, sexism by law enforcement and and even lawmakers. They they make laws that are just, are entrapping men, more men than women. Now, look, I, I I'm willing to confess <laughs> that the disproportionate incarceration of people of color is an issue that we ought to address it but let's not let's not lump that in with with uh Jim Crow. Okay. I mean, I think it's just something different going on. Okay, anyway, descendants of formerly enslaved Africans are still denied equal access and opportunity in church and society while white people collectively benefit from unequal access, opportunity and power. Institutional racism currently exists in the ELCA through discriminatory treatment within the call process, inequitable compensation of clergy of color, racial segregation, divestment from black communities and congregations, systemic policies and organizational practices, and failure to fully include the gifts of leadership and worship styles of people of African descent. So there's the confession of the ELCA. They're, they're, they are saying we are, we're, we have a systemic race problem of racism in our organization Hmm. they continue last paragraph the ELCA trusts that repentance begins and ends with the work of a gracious God in prayerful response to the African descent Lutheran Association's request for an apology this church enters into a season of confession and lamentation beyond empty promises or well-meaning intentions this church recommits to the work of racial justice socio-economic equity and racial reconciliation this apology is a recommitment to the process of right and equitable relations within the church and the flourishing of the churches of the of Christ's church universal. This recommitment means working towards a deeper understanding of slavery and its legacy, of institutional and structural racism, of white privilege, and of attitudes and foundations of white supremacy. It means praying for the renewal of the church as di- disciples of the living Christ. So far, 
the apology. Now, any thoughts on that last part there? Well, I was kind of taking taking kind of a wider view at this, and and all of this started. Correct me if I'm wrong, because the African Descent Association requested an apology from the ELCA. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's correct. Um, I mean, I'm not. You obviously can't speak to motives, but I mean, why do you think that that happens? I mean, is there? Uh, I mean, that that already seems odd to say. I mean, go back to your analogy as if uh, if your grandfather held my grandfather as a slave, for me to come along and say, hey, Brian, you owe me an apology. Uh, in fact, I would like you to apologize publicly as a church body for your grandfather mm-hmm. holding my grandfather mm-hmm. as a slave. Mm-hmm. Well, geez, okay, now, but look, so here's, this is going to get to it, because especially with this business of unequal pay because because look at what because you have to say well what's the solution if this okay so you say hey would you apologize for your grandpa and i say oh yeah sorry for what grandpa did and you say and what do you do you say oh, okay thanks <laughs> no that's not what you do you say well that's not enough i need i need something more and when the and when the business of right. unequal pay comes up now you're starting to get down to what so at least part of what motivates it is not so just I an could, apology. I could argue that, well, if it wasn't for your grandfather holding my grandfather as a slave, um, I would have had better opportunities than you've had your entire life because, you know, your grandfather was a landowner and mine wasn't. So therefore, or something like that, there right. is some economic benefits that you have that I don't have. And now, and I take it down to the church level. Why, if it's true that so let's just take this example in the ELCA, if it's true, and I don't know if it's true, but I just guess that it's true that black pastors are being paid less than white pastors. Well, why? What's the problem there? Well, it's because if it's a white congregation that has has a white pastor, and a, or a black congregation that has a black pastor, or whatever, say it's a mixed congregation. In both in both cases, they've decided this is what we're going to pay our pastor. It's the congregations that have decided that have made that decision. But look, if that's the problem, if the congregations, because each congregation decides what it's going to pay their pastor, if you get paid more than me or vice versa, it's because our congregations have decided this is what we want to pay our pastor. Okay, so if that's if that's the problem, what's the solution? The solution is that the congregations don't know how to do this properly, so we're going to have to take the money and distribute it ourselves. It, it has to be. We have to be able to 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 be the enlightened ones to make sure that we're not that we're that we're making up for this systemic sin. So so we're going to confiscate the money from the con- or get the money from the congregations and then dole it out as we see fit, based not on whatever the local congregation decides, but on whatever the whole big church decides. You see. Now is that being proposed, or, or are you drawing conclusions to? I'm pu- I'm just pushing it half a step further. Gotcha. I haven't seen the proposal, but okay. Now, okay, but now here's the interesting thing. So there's the there's the confession that was asked for and the apology, and uh, and so we we talked about some of the problems. But now here, I think we can really start to see what's going on when we see the response. So the the gentleman that's going to stand up and respond is the president of the African uh, descent, uh, Reverend Leonard. Let's see what his name is. Do you have it there? Reverend Lynn Wells. Lamont Wells. Yeah. Lamont Wells is going to stand up and he's going to respond. And it's in his response that I think we start to see what's really going on. I, I At least I want to. 
hear it and see what you think. All right. And we will listen to that right after this break. Only one more segment left uh, in this show. So uh, perhaps uh, uh, the last 12 minutes of, of this show will be after that, it'll start to get better. You know, day, day can only go up from here, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. A let's... short time. A little while. <laughs> a little while. A longer. little bit longer. <laughs> you can endure just a little bit longer. All right. If we do want to hear from you on this, 1-800-385-SOLA or questions at tabletalkradio.org. Love your thoughts. Stay tuned. Right at this. Don't ask me why, but you've been listening to Table Talk Radio. I'm taking some old Luther stuff, pulling it out of the collections and publishing it. You can download it for free or buy them for five bucks. Find it, the Everyone's Luther, at wolfmuller.co. Click on the books at the top of the page. All right, we're back here on Table Talk Radio. We've been listening to audio from the Churchwide Assembly of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. It met a month or so ago, and uh, we have been listening to this apology from the ELCA, and now the president of the African Descent Association is going to give a response. To presiding Bishop Eaton, Secretary Berger, Vice President and Adla Lifetime member, Bill Horn, to this blessed churchwide assembly. I'm Pastor Lamont Anthony Wells, and I serve as the national president of the African Descent Lutheran Association, and I'm standing here with our executive board leadership and members of the African Descent Lutheran Association on behalf of our response to this apology. Brothers and sisters, I do not care how we sugarcoat this or attempt to make this palatable for everybody to agree. We must start at the truth, which by faith I believe can right now make us all free. My siblings in Christ, we can disagree and we can still love each other unless your disagreement is rooted in oppression and denial of humanity, including our right to exist. The truth is that people were bought, sold, raped, abused, and land was stolen. Countless lives were ruthlessly destroyed by people who claimed to follow the Prince of Peace. Yes, generations have passed, but our society is still cursed by this very damnable evil. So there, now, there, there's something there. So, did, so did you hear, Evan, how he said, so it says, yes, generations have passed, but our society is still cursed by this evil. This is this kind of transference of sin hmm. that goes along there, and this is the, this is what one of the things that systemic does. It, it allows the sort of, in some sort of, almost like a Roman Catholic way, you you're able to sort of transfer sin one to one to another. Hmm. I mean, it 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 sounds more than just there are 
uh, repercussions from our history that we're still living out today, I think you're right. I mean, in order to insist upon an apology, I mean, let's let's say, um, uh, oh, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, I do something that that was was definitely my fault, and that has particular ramifications um, that uh, that has a, has an effect. Uh, two generations later, that is still having, an, say, an economic effect, for example. Um, but that doesn't mean that the sin has has been uh, that that remorse hasn't been for the sin. In other, in other words, what does repentance look like? Uh, you like to say from the catechism that uh, repentance is is sorrow over sin, and you know, to, then we would second part of confession is that we would have faith that uh, for that forgiveness is ours by the by the word and, and promise of Christ. But but it seems like what the preference is here that there is no second part, and we just want people to stay on the first part. In other words, you should be really sorry for what great 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 grandpa did. Well, and not and that sorrow should drive you to repentance. I mean, uh, uh, to, sorry, that sorrow drives you not to. Hmm, the sorrow drives you to to trying to make atonement by by your by your right. own works. Right. So so it's not going to say so. Okay. So what we're looking for, what you would expect is it's like this is a Christian confession. Like they stood up and said, "Look, we." We realize that we are racists and we live amongst a racist people, and we're really sorry about that. And if there's any specifics, we're very sorry about those specifics, and we we hope that the Lord Jesus could could forgive us, and that also the people that we've hurt would also forgive us, so we could be reconciled in Christ. So you, and then you expect, okay, I'm going to respond to that. Well, what's a what's a guy who knows long gospel going to how they're going to respond? Right. I mean, what's a Lutheran supposed to respond? Say, well, hey, I forgive you. Or, or even but so far, I was thinking of you just like a, a husband and a wife. You know, I mean, e- even apart from understanding law and gospel, uh, a husband says to his wife, "You know, I'm really sorry. I I lost my temper and said those things." And then the wife says, "You know, you were wrong to say those things." I know. I that's what I just said. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, to to reaffirm that the person what the person did was wrong. Um, is not actually a response to the apology at all. It's a response to the action, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so we hear more then? Mm-hmm. Colonial rule to this present day, racism has remained a constant. This structural racism has resulted in perpetual wage gaps, achievement gaps, and wealth gaps. And the church, This very organization that has been called to stand in the gap for all of God's people has often expanded the gap into a larger chasm. If this apology is real, we must abandon our lust for oppressive power, wealth, and even our own comfort for the sake of fulfilling God's fulfillment to love others. Throughout history, people have been hurt by this very particular sin. Therefore, we the people of African descent of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America can receive this apology as a divine mark of repentance that serves as a catalyst for change. We, though... Now, did you hear that? 
we can receive this repentance as a mark. How did it say? As a mark of the catalyst of change. Right. In other words, we we are going to receive this not as repentance that of, of a sin right. that needs forgiveness, but of an acknowledgement of a problem that needs correction. So, so and those are two very different things. Yeah, and so so this is kind of the, I mean. Uh, you hear on the on individual level a lot that people will say things like, um, if you were really sorry, you would change. And so repentance has nothing to do really with the the, the heart, the sorrow, um, the remorse. It has really anything to do with your ability to change. Now, on a national, or on, on a national level, but on a, on a corporate level, I suppose you could say, um, this is why there's still room to talk about this in the 2021 churchwide assembly because now they can come back and say all right let's see how you're doing on instituting change are there still pay gaps are there still is there still um uh, uh inequality anywhere within races and so if there is you still haven't you know done enough you, you're mm-hmm. still you're still rooted in this racism from uh, ancient slavery i by the way found I was looking for this this declaration. I could find it in print somewhere, but I and I so I was searching for it, and I found this from just the African Descent Lutheran Association uh, Facebook page. A statement from I from the 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 group itself, and it says. So you were asking, has this been proposed? This idea of collecting all the money, do it. It says, um, uh, white supremacy and white privilege refuses to include accept and admit the need to engage in the things mentioned in other words deep listening and communal discernment practicing the art of difficult conversations and actively accompanying those in our communities who are suffering or alienated it is designed to protect itself and maintain total power until we talk about a power and resource analysis in our church similar to the early church acts two it doesn't work in our system of capitalism and white hegemony Hmm. so there you go so the idea of sharing all of our resources and distributing them according to need, a la the so-called socialism or, or communism of Acts chapter 2 or the early chapters of Acts is, is here for discussed. I'm I, working on finding more. but I think it's an interesting position that this uh, present speaker is in because he is a pastor in the ELCA. He's wearing a button that says, I heart ELCA. At the same time, he's speaking on behalf of the African Descent Lutheran Association. So he is, as a member of the ELCA, an apologizer, and at the same time, uh, one who is accepting or quasi-accepting the apology. Well, I mean, right? I mean, that's that's what it means right. if the ELCA accepts in a churchwide assembly this statement of apology that all members of that church body would be apologizing. Or at least they would as a, as a, you know, so that would include all of the blacks in the ELCA, I suppose. I mean, and see, that's the problem. I mean, that, that's why you can't no, apologize a, for something as a, a corporate entity. Well, yeah, why, and, and that's right. And, and, and so as soon as you start talking systemic sin, you've removed yourself from the, from the scriptural talk of, of the atonement of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins. But it on but in some ways on purpose. I want to hear. Maybe can we hear? How much time do we have? Can we hear? We're a out of more? time actually, but we can do extra oh, innings. Right. Uh, so extra innings. We'll have to do that because it, because I was listening to this and there's something that gets close to forgiveness, but it never gets to forgiveness. And I and I I was reflecting on that and 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 someone pointed out to me. Well, they that's the thing. They didn't want forgiveness because as soon as you get the forgiveness of sins, 
Now you stop trying to, at- you stop atoning for yourself. All right. So if you want to atone for yourself, you l- can't receive the absolute. Listen to the rest after this. Thanks for listening to Table Talk Radio. Where you're too late. I don't know. It's not going to Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. <laughs> Table Talk Radio mediocre. is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, air loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the Calvinists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. Okay, so we're in the the after show. Uh, I I think that was a great point, though. Now that we're not on any radio station anywhere, I can tell you that you had a great point there. Um, (laughs) As long as nobody... We're we're hoping that our podcast listener just shut it off, but uh, but, okay. but but you're right that that it takes away that the burden is shifted shifted away from me as an individual. Uh, that now now it's you know what are we what are we apologizing for on a, on a on a on a corporate level? Now there are there are times as I thought about what I just said before our our ending theme. There are times that um say a, an entity should apologize. But that that would be when an entity, let's say, accepts a statement of say, you know, accepting all religions, just as a random example. <laughs> if, if an entity may accepted that position, then it would also make sense for the entity to uh, renounce and repent of that position. So there are, I mean, that that those are the times that it's uh, that it makes sense. But when we're talking about uh, transgressions of individuals, particularly individuals from a hundred and twenty years ago, uh, or more, whatever the math is, um, mm-hmm. th- then it doesn't make sense for an entity to come out and have this uh, apology. Okay, so you want to let's get, listen to some more of this, and, and I know you have yep. you have yep. some more here. We cannot receive this apology simply as a cheap indulgence to clear the conscience of our oppressors. Interesting. Wow. So we'll we'll accept it insofar as we're hoping it'll be a mark for change, but we will not accept the apology for your own good. <laughs> I mean, it's hard to it's hard to fault someone from the ELCA not articulating biblical notions or Lutheran theology correctly. I mean, but what I mean, how how strange is this? You get a pol- you, you're you're getting an apology for generations of slavery, and then the apology comes on and it says, "We will not release you from the bondage of your guilt." <laughs> In other words, <laughs> we want you to continue to be enslaved. To to, we are not going to emancipate you. It's ironic. We are going to enslave you in your guilt, uh, because you are part of the structure of white privilege. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fascinating. And they're all plotting. If this assembly and this church could only be sensitive enough to understand that receiving this apology today without the ELCA's intentional and equitable change in practices could make this very beautiful sentiment null and void. 
It's just like the black queer author and theologian from Harlem, New York, where I'm from, James Baldwin once said, I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. Now, so, isn't this weird? So, so just, I mean, to, to, there was a striking lack of scripture in, the, in just about everything in the assembly. But here, let's just notice that the first quote, uh, I mean, it did say Prince of Peace earlier, but that was to that was to insult the church that did not follow the Prince of Peace. But here, the first person, the first authority given to us is is James Baldwin. I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. In other words, your your repentance does not matter. You might say you're repenting, but that's not enough. You, it's a, that doesn't count. I, I must, I must see something, and what I have to see is, but, but see, what I have to see is not, what I want to see, I think what he's saying, is not radical racial equity, but rather acts of atonement for injustice I, I well I'm not sure maybe he'll he'll but let's just say this just note that the, what the first authority that's given to us hmm. is there how can we move forward and where do we go from here well I recommend that we rush boldly to the throne of grace and ask the Lord to help and guide us wait a minute okay so so uh, we're not accepting your policy because you're not doing enough. So what do I expect you to do? What I expect you to do is go to the throne of grace. Well, uh, what 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 do you expect that to look like? <laughs> I mean, here you have people who are apparently repenting for a sin. We've, we've I think well covered whether it was a sin to repent of, but uh, presuming for a second that that this is something that is incumbent upon us to repent for. Uh, and yet you are saying this repentance is not valid until you do things. And the thing I want you to do is be remorseful before God. Well, wait a minute. This is like, is that remorse before God going to be sufficient for you to, 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 uh, to this is a valid repentance now because it's before the throne of grace. But what if there's not enough action involved in that repentance before God in the throne? of? I mean, it's like you're in this, this vortex of, of, of verifying the validity of someone's repentance. It's just, you never get out of it. This is, but look at how it says it. I recommend we rush boldly to the throne of grace and ask the Lord to help and guide. Uh-huh. So so the throne of grace is not where the Lord is gracious, but where the <laughs> Lord is guiding. That's right. Yeah. You see? Because it's not about the reconciliation accomplished by Jesus. It's about the it's about being on the way toward reconciliation. So so it's not an accomplished fact. It's not the atonement it's not the death of Jesus. It's rather that Jesus is the one who's now going to instruct us on the way toward whatever this is called, whatever this reconciliation is. It's not, it's not like what Saint Paul says, that Jesus has has reconciled the us, us to God. No, he's. It's almost like Jesus has made the way to reconciliation, and now we must follow it. 
Mm. Yeah. Yeah, good. Jesus is our North Star of hope. In fact, See that? He is the, the North Star. That's what guides you. That's what gives you the direction. Keep us from falling back into the bondage of sin. This apology is received because Jesus has shown us the way towards reconciliation. Huh? So huh? How- huh? Huh? Ah. So, so G- Jesus is the, the pathfinder. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But reconciliation is not a fact. It's something that must then be pursued. And how is reconciliation, what does the path of reconciliation look like now? Uh, removal of societal inequalities, whatever that looks like. Or something, something like that. But it mostly looks like, it probably looks very specifically like the African Descent Lutheran Association telling the ELCA (laughs) where they've sinned and the ELCA apologizing over and over and over again. Right. I I mean, I'm just guessing. I don't know. I mean, mean, this is such a... I mean, okay, so here you have the African Descent Lutheran Association, which I have never heard of before and until this very day, as we record September 9th, 2019. And I'm guessing, uh, I don't know how many uh, Lutheran Church Missouri Synod delegates we have to the African Descent Lutheran Association. What do you think? Uh, let me look. I, I'm, I got their website open here. I'm so, look. So while you look at that, I'll just make the point that you have one ELCA group telling an, telling the ELCA that they need to keep apologizing. So at some at some point, this just becomes a charade. Uh, I mean, uh, saying, "All right, keep apologizing. We don't accept this apology, so we'll see more action." And two years later, we apologize. Well, we want you to keep apologizing. But wait a minute. It's just like. Uh, two ELCA groups telling each other to apologize. It's just, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe yeah, maybe there's a lot of other Lutheran church bodies represented in the African Descent Lutheran Association. It is the African Descent Lutheran Association of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. <laughs> so ELCA... We are all ELCA. We don't this accept your apology. This is called African Descent Ministry in the ELCA. I mean, when... It is a thing of the ELCA. It's like having multiple personality disorder, and you're telling your other personality to keep apologizing, and then that apology is not enough. Well, look, I imagine there's... So, this is one of the... <laughs> but but see, this it's about, it's about the... I'm going to use the word again, the charade. So that, I mean, that, that it, can, it can make the headlines... Perhaps every two years, ELCA apologizes for slavery, so so that that they can kind of control this kind of political narrative that's always coming out. But it's they're creating it themselves. I mean, no one no one's actually asking them to apologize except they themselves. Yeah, it's a fine point. Okay, more. How can mm-hmm. we grow from this? We can grow because we are church. And because we are church, we are the very body of a Middle Eastern man, a Palestinian Jew, who just like Sandra Bland, was wrongly accused and arrested by law enforcement. We receive this in Jesus' name, who was wrongly incarcerated by the ruling class, just like the Central Park now exonerated five. 
We accept this apology in the name of the one who was given the death penalty by the most powerful empire in the world, just like many unarmed people of African descent. There you go. Okay, now we, stop it there. So here, so that so the the accusation and the arrest and the crucifixion of Jesus is now brought into the the narrative of oppression. Mm-hmm. So so that uh, what Jesus was doing was battling social classes. That he was an activist that was put down by the authority. But nothing about fulfillment of prophecy, the atoning of sins, uh, reconciliation and redemption of sinners. Right. I mean, the fact that Jesus speaks to the crucifier, to the Roman soldier there at the foot of the cross, and says in his prayer, Father, forgive him, he doesn't know what he's doing, is... I don't know. It's that this whole the, this is this is somehow forgotten because it's not because it's not the point for whatever reason that the atoning death of Jesus is not the point. It's not what it's it's not. We we want everything to end in the forgiveness of sins, and we want repentance to grow out of that as a fruit. But it's it just seems like it's being avoided in this whole conversation and at some point you start to think that it's being avoided on purpose yeah. is there more or is, it, is that pretty much the no we got a uh, let's see uh yes there's um yeah there's more I, I maybe three or four more minutes maybe we can listen to the end and then come back and maybe pick up a, f- a few points to kind of tie make it into a bow okay. is that all right yeah hope We hope this apology will lift every one of our voices to sing a song full of faith that the dark past has taught us. We pray this apology truly acknowledges that we have come over a way that with tears have been watered. We hope that this declaration realizes that we as people of African descent have come through treading our path in this very church through the blood and the sacrifices of the slaughtered. Hmm. Unfortunately, the Reverend J. Hugh Jones, the first ordained black Lutheran pastor, could not be here to hear this apology. Unfortunately, Rosa Jensi Young, the mother of black Lutheranism, a great educator, could not be here to read this apology. Unfortunately, the Reverend Earlene Miller, The first ordained black woman couldn't be here to witness this apology. Unfortunately, Sister Emma Francis, the first black deaconess, couldn't be here to pray with us on this occasion. But it's because of them and many others who have gone on before us that the ELCA is blessed today to have those of us who are alive and remain. Wow. That is amazing to me. So that uh, the these, uh, I guess, martyrs of the cause are likened to the sacrifices of Jesus. And then it is because of them that the ELCA has life today. So that, so that, um, that, that the sacrifice giving life is not put into 
the works of Jesus, but into the works of these uh, political leaders. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. amazing and terrible. There's one more page of response here, okay. so I bet you it's about five minutes, or three minutes. Or Therefore, I found the text, by the way. We are committed to still helping this church grow in many ways, even though it's not always been kind to us. In spite of the history of the many aggressions and the effects of slavery, like Michelle Obama said it best, when they go low, we go high. Even though many of us are still underpaid, according to the church's guidelines, even though we are called to impossible situations and expected to work miracles, even though we have been disconnected far too long from our African and Caribbean homelands, even though many of us, like Democratic strategist Fannie Lou Hamer, are sick and tired of being sick and tired, We receive this apology knowing that life ain't been no crystal stair. To the first installed woman bishop of the African descent in this ELCA, Bishop Vivian Thomas Brightfield, I want you to know they can't change history and you have our full support. Look at the, can I pause it there? You see the they, they can't change history do, who do, who does he referring to when he says they is it the those who apologized i think so it's the all the white folk hmm. it's all the white pastors up there it's all the it's all the 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 white people who are standing there apologizing and she said and is saying we whoever the so I, this is the who is the we and the they in this whole thing we the black we the African descendant, I think, I guess that's what, we the African descendant Lutherans support you and they can't change history. Um, that, I mean, that, that sounds like uh, someone who's wanting to make some divisions on the basis of race. Not divisions, but distinctions at least. Yeah. Right? I mean, you have our support. You here's the the first woman bishop of African descent. So it's a woman. So that's intersectional. She's a woman. She's she's an African descent. And because you have our support now, because you have, I mean, maybe she's great. Us, I suppose, whatever. I don't know, but that doesn't apparently matter. What matters is that she is a woman and that she's of African descent. And because of that, you have our support. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we and they is a problem. It is really a part of the systemic racism. <laughs> oh, it's a standing ovation. For this Bishop Vivian Thomas Breitfeldt. Mm-hmm. Which is apparently stage left that the camera can't find her. So, you might ask, how and why are we receiving this apology today? Here's the it's theology. It's because of Jesus' love for all of us that are less than perfect people. 
<laughs> Forgiveness of sins is one of the main deliverances in the death of Jesus. Dear church. So that's it. That is it. Forgiveness of sins is one of the main deliverances in the death of Jesus. How are we receiving this apology? Because Jesus loves less than perfect people. But they, in a way, aren't receiving the apology. Yeah, I know. I know. They're receiving the apology not as repentance, but as an indication of change. As right. an indication of going in a different way. Huh. Fascinating. Now, but look, that that's not where it ends. It can't live there. No more? Of course it can't live there. There's more. This is the end. This is the crescendo. For us to love big. So I end with a few words by Dr. Maya Angelou. As an official response to this apology for over 400 years of oppression, you may write down in history with bitter and twisted lies. You may trod us in the very dirt, but still, like dust, we'll rise. Out of the huts of history's shame, we rise. Up from a past that's rooted in pain, we rise. Leaving behind nights of terror and fear, we rise. Into a daybreak that's wondrously clear, we rise. To this church, we bring gifts that our ancestors gave. And guess what? We as people of African descent are the very dream and the hope of the slave. We rise, we rise, we rise. Amen. There it is. Hmm. The official response of this apology for over 400 years of oppression. You may trot us in the dirt, but like dust we rise. In other words, keep trying. <laughs> Come back next year. Well, uh, yeah, I mean, it it is certainly an emphasis on our uh not even ability, our our what's the word I'm searching for? Um our resilience, right? So so there was sort of lip service if you can even call it that to forgiveness found in Jesus, but what this is really all about is our resilience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And in fact, this apology, in in some ways, is received as a further act of oppression. Like, mm-hmm. who do you think you are to stand up there so smug and act like you can apologize to me, and that's going to make a difference? Yeah. I don't even... I mean, it's really quite a... Once you, so once you get... This is the thing that I'm wrestling with, though. I'm, I mean, I'm really trying to figure this out. Is that once you get into this realm of systemic sin, everything becomes flipped over on its head. It's not about, it's not about the atoning sacrifice of Jesus. It's about atoning for the, for the abstract sins hmm. of culture to the particular to the particular group of people who were affected by it. You know, it's it's just it's it whatever's happening is not a Christian thing. I think that I think I can say that whatever's happening is not a it might have Christian language in it, but it's not a Christian thing. Hmm. Yeah. You think? Yeah. Yeah. All right, now give me your kind of 
One, two, three, closing thoughts. Hmm. Well, I... I uh... You know, it's it's hard it's hard to separate uh what we just witnessed from motive. For me it is. Um because on on the surface of it, you know, you, you want to say that that people look around and they see certain inequalities and they want to fix that and they can trace those inequalities to, you know, slavery of four hundred years ago. And, and and maybe there is some connections to that. I don't know. Um, but because of the things that we've 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 discussed here, that you have this uh, this this ELCA form group telling the ELCA they need to apologize, and then when they apologize, they say we will not accept your apology until we see change, and be. And why are we accepting this apology? Because of the love of Jesus, and we rise. I mean, that that all just seems, uh, again, I, I'm, I'm not in a position to question anyone's motives, but that all just seems like this great uh, grandstanding of self-virtue to say, uh, uh, you should be shamed for the actions of your ancestors, and look how great we really are, that we will never be put down. You know, we, that we, we are... are, are um, so strong to 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 get past this, and uh, when you, when you look at everything that we just witnessed in the last hour plus, um, it just seems like a a, a big show to me. Uh, now I don't know is that judging motives, but it, it's at least it's at least coming from a worldview that is is not understanding sin and repentance and forgiveness. That, that's at least right. at least what we can say. Let's, I mean, just to be clear on this, if someone is racist and does something racist and says something racist, they're guilty. It's breaking the fifth commandment. It's a form of murder. It's, the, it's despising of another human being. Right, right. This is, so, okay, so, but that's a, that's a different kind of thing than trying to call the, a system to repentance, a racist system to repentance. Mm-hmm. It's trying to somehow aggregate the, the individual particular sins of people. And once you get into that aggregating of sins, then people become guilty not because they've actually done anything wrong, but just because they've breathed the air, you know. Right. So you could have the the least racist, you could have the least racist guy, whatever, you know, some white guy, I don't know, some Chinese guy, whatever, and yet because of the because of the color of his skin, not because of the character, that the the content of his character. He becomes guilty of racism because he perpetuates the system. Mm. Right, right. And, and it doesn't, and it doesn't actually ever get to the point of saying, "Don't be racist," which is what the law would say. You know, don't, don't think racist things. Don't act in racist ways. Don't. But it's not that there's something very different happening with systemic sin, and it's not because then there's no. Then there's no forgiveness. That's the point. There's no blood of Jesus to wash it away. Because if the blood, if this, if if Lamont would have stood up there and said, "Hey, look, Jesus died to forgive every sin, my sin, your sin, even the sin of your racism, and it's atoned for. It's gone. God doesn't know about it. And look, hmm. I'm a Christian, so neither do I." That 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 would have that would have undermined 
the whole show. Right. Because then there's a good conscience and then there's a then there's a true freedom in Christ, but then there is an inability to justify ourselves. If I said you see what I mean? Yep. Yep. Great point. That's good. Well, I think that uh, I think that ties a, a bow on it. So, ah, thanks right. for hanging in, uh, boy. I think Oof. we should. We, I think the listener gets uh, a few points for hanging in this yeah. long. Five million table talk radio points. Excellent. All right. All right. Thanks, Brian. Yeah, you got it.